Hello and welcome to This A for Life. I am your host, Alison Smanoff, and we're back on Zoom, but I am joined by my co-hosts, Rachel Hibbert. Hello, Alison. And Susan Cadman. Hi, Al. How are we all feeling? Look, I felt better. I think I've got... Oh. I'll be able to report back next week about what's happened with me. <laughs> um, I'm not feeling amazing, but that's okay. Um, if if the, the dreaded vid has hit me, it's fine. My time has come. But if not, hopefully I've just got a little, little something that I can shake real quick. But, um, yeah, that's right. A, spi- a spicy cough, but just paprika kind of spice. <laughs> yeah, not, not too not, spicy. Mm, yeah. Not the spice. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. But all good. We, we soldier on. That's fine. I do love it because we were really talking big game last week about <laughs> the immunity of this AFL life crew. It was inevitable. Yeah. I mean, one one week. We made it through one week. That's, That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's all good. Um, how are you, Alison? Look, I am also feeling well, not not firing on all cylinders a little bit tired but I, I um not feeling yeah I'm not feeling sick but I'm just uh I'm just wary been laying low this week mm, I won't admit actually no one from my work listens to this but <laughs> I will admit this morning that my alarm I slept through for about an hour and 15 minutes um so I blamed my lateness to the morning meeting on internet issues <laughs> but realistically I was the issue you got to use you got to use this work from home life to your advantage, I reckon. You, I reckon so. The fatigue, I think the fatigue's quite um, uh, far reaching at the moment. Yeah. But, um, no spicy coffee yet. Hiba, did you enjoy the tennis? You uh, to cross code this pod. How was the tennis? Oh, game set match Ash Barty. I was actually positive tennis Monday evening. I got to see Ash Barty and what would have been Djokovic, but I'm so glad that it wasn't. I got to see Zverev instead. And it was just amazing. I've not seen Ash Barty play before. Uh, huge fan, massive fan. RFI being the capped capacity, meaning that Rod Laver, which should be packed to the rafters, in my opinion, it's people's choice at the moment if they want to venture out into the world if you've had COVID, you're probably more likely to do that at the moment. But I think everyone knows the risks. They've told us that. They should just let people go to the tennis if they want to go to the tennis. And it was just, it just was really sad to see Ash Barty playing in probably a crowd of about 15%. As I said that, I thought of my healthcare worker friends and maybe yeah. everyone shouldn't be allowed to go to the tennis. Basically. <laughs> In my ideal world, there would be 100,000 people watching Ash Barty from the MCG. That is all. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, I was thinking, and I haven't been to the tennis, but I was thinking how great a ground pass would be in this current environment because you could just stroll onto any match you wanted to see rather than being stuck outside waiting for seven changes of ends to get a seat in the sun that you don't want to sit in. So I reckon there's... I'm I'm not with you here. <laughs> Less crowds the better. But I booked uh, Caddy. I p- I paid good money to go to Rod Laver Arena and have a seat and be part of an atmosphere. And the atmosphere just wasn't there. 
I could have I could have done that well, from I'm sorry know. but what what role did you have in that atmosphere did you bring it did you you know dress up and make lots of noise and bring a little whistle along because you could have created that hib you better believe I did <laughs> except I did give a greasy and tell off a man sitting behind me who in between serves Zverev's serves told him where to hit it you know they've gone from first serve it's a fault and then the guy behind me is like straight down the tee and I was like so I turned around and I said please be quiet and then so yes Katie I did I think <laughs> add to the atmosphere okay fair enough put Thanks. back in my place thank you all right Alison let's make this a quick quick pod yeah so <laughs> let's about the tennis for 45 minutes <laughs> so back on track can I please have your positives and RFIs from round two of AFLW? Um, I positive Suns fourth quarter win against the Eagles at Witten Oval on Sunday. Um, they just pulled their finger out in that fourth quarter and lifted to uh, an intensity I don't think I've seen from Gold Coast in what looked like quite a hard match to play. It was a little bit scrappy for the first. Um, half but then they could string some play together um, and Tara Bahana mm. love saying her name hate competing against her in the VFL this year because she was so great and I'm really glad that she got her um, got her contract at Gold Coast this year so I that was my positive for the round. Kelly? Um, okay so I think by the time we recorded this pod, the uh, Geelong-Carlton game was still to be announced from memory. Mm. Yeah, so um, positive of the round was that we got to see Geelong-Carlton play and the Press Parkers uh, sisters go up against each other. Um, I reckon they were pretty evenly matched, like I think. Um, I think Maddie took the chocolates in terms of played a bit of a better game, but it was really great to see them playing. But I have to say RFI, like I think that the, the uh, broadcaster and the AFLW in general went a bit too over the top with this one, <laughs> like presenting the press park as club at the end. I just thought there's other sisters that play in this league. Why is this, why are these guys, like why is this the one that's creating this issue? So I, I thought it was a bit too, a bit too much. Um, and one other really standout positive while I'm speaking about that game was um, Harrington's 100%. Oh, my God. Um, disposal efficiency from 23 possessions. Like, that is unbelievable. What Isn't it? A legend. Um, mm. I have to, have to highlight that as a highlight from the weekend as well. What about you, Elle? Oh, one of my positives and an absolute highlight of mine was um, Alyssa Bannon's goal on Friday night and Hiba you, you were there like what was it like to see in person because she like that I mean the goal was amazing but the whole play was amazing because Eliza oh. McNamara took a really risky kick to 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 make that switch to to Lily Mithin mm. but when when McNamara took the kick Bannon was still in defensive 50 so she's just read mm. She's just read it and timed her run perfectly and then obviously burnt off her opponent after a million bounces. 
And also burned Daisy Pierce, who was on her own. <laughs> <laughs> in the 50, I, the commentary, I, I watched the replay once I got home and the commentary was um, Daisy Pierce is all alone in the 50 if she kicks over the top of, of the defender. And Bannon just, no, put her head down and absolutely went for it. And to be fair and to give Gabby absolute credit, Gabby has been telling me all preseason what a jet Bannon has has always been but especially yeah. this season she's just stepped it up a gear and I was like oh quick cool like I've seen her play but just thought she was um you know not a jet jet um and as soon as she got the ball the entire wing that I was on just erupted mm. and there was one particular man who probably had a too many $14 furfies but every time Bannon went near the ball he would just scream jets after that and it was so epic because it was a new favorite new crowd favorite and someone to watch um and we've spoken about elite wings in Steph Giocchi and Caitlin Ashmore but hello new generation of elite wingers um bring on Alyssa Bannon just amazing and then she kicked another one after that as mm. well so yeah. I agree Al. that was unreal but it's just so good and like with Melbourne you think of you think of Daisy and you think of Paxi and all these really established stars but just the risk taking of those young players, McNamara and Bannon, mm. just to back themselves, like back McNamara to back her kick, and yeah. and Bannon to back her own skills too. I just I've loved everything about it. Do you know who who I can hear in the back of my head during that gameplay is Jane Land, just saying back your kick, back your kick, because that was and I think that's shining through there, the coaching and and years worth of persisting to to back your back your kick and back yourself um an RFI about that game is the fact that it was at punt road and there was an entire stand completely empty and they put the whole crowd on one side of the ground and on a very small hill which I couldn't see much at all it Mm -hmm. was probably better viewing to watch on on the telly um so that was a little bit frustrating don't know how long they're going to be able to keep that up with um, how many people there they're wanting to get into the games, especially it was a um a sellout. Um, and I think my RFI, um, because I didn't do much on Sunday apart from watch three consecutive games of football from my couch, and I have to say that the two games that were at Witten Oval on that were on Fox Footy, we say it every year, but the camera work was terrible. It was so poor like I think I even I even messaged our chat and I was like this is this is bad isn't it you did you did and it was to the point where they literally missed goals and the replays were the midfielders reactions to what had happened down the field yeah it was really bad really bad so I just don't know what the reason is for that whether you know they're using inexperienced camera operators or what it is, but it's just, it's so frustrating because the quality of football is so good and it just deserves quality coverage. But I do love the commentary. I think the commentary has been fabulous. Commentary has been great. And that's honestly a hundred percent relating to having the current players involved. I just think I just really, I know we talked about this last season, but I think it provides such a great, um, addition, the insight they provide is just amazing and you just can't get that from anywhere else. So do want to flag that I'm really pleased that they continued with that this year. Yeah. Yeah, how good is Kate McCarthy? So good. 
so good. She's gone from Twitter to real life. Bang. <laughs> Our hearts. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, one more positive uh, to take from this week was, I know, sorry, I've said a few too many already, but um, Woodland from the Crows in the goals, just spewing goals everywhere. Um, I think she's kicked eight goals in the first two rounds, so four and four. Um, she is just an absolute gun. She's tall, she's strong, she's young, she's got a lot more footy in her legs. Um, so very much looking forward to watching her. And if you haven't been watching a lot of interstate footy because or interstate teams footy, keep your eye on her because, um, yeah, gun. Yeah, I agree. What a um, sort of probably not many people have heard of uh, Woodland. So it's exciting when someone pops their head up and kicks bags and bags of goals. We love goals at this AFL life. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, it's really like crows. They're just forever there, aren't they? They're just, mm. if it's not, they're, they're just such an all-round team. You know, they're full of stars, but it's often it's like the demons really sort of the other ones popping up that are the ones that are – are the game changers, um, but yeah, consistent, consistently good. They yeah. have been, yeah, really, really good. Um, and building, yeah. And I just wanted to flag as well, like how relieved is everyone to have gotten through the round with no major, not many injuries, mm. nothing like round one. Just um, bit of bit of a sigh of relief. Yeah, God. Um, but I was actually kind of thinking about that and it kind of, it does feed into what we were talking about last week. And, you know, when there's not much lead up, you don't have many practice games. That first round is such a, an assault on your body. Like it's no surprise in a way that there were so many injuries and it kind of um, settles after that first round. Really interested to see how um, the teams who have been impacted by COVID bounce back. Um Noted that Kate Sheila was playing um, the whole game, I think, in full forward for the Saints following a bout of COVID. Mm. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how many are in ISO and how many have had COVID, but I know there's been a significant number who did, who have and are recovering from. And I'm interested to see when there's a big, like, obviously they're sort of scattered across the teams, but when, you know, obviously teams like Brisbane and Bulldogs have really impacted how, how, no training and also throwing and recovering from COVID will impact them. Can they hit the ground running as quickly? Yeah, interesting to see this this round anyway. Yeah. So Rachel, last week you <laughs> last week you set yourself some homework and you were going to research ACL injuries in AFLW for us. Did you did you do that? And and if so, what were your findings? You won't believe it, but I did do Whoa. some homework. I know. Um, and what was really helpful actually was midweek, uh, a very lengthy article came out from Ed Carmine at zerohanger.com about ACL injuries and the prevalence throughout the seasons. And I was reading it going, oh, yes, I've read this research report. Rah, rah, rah. Yay me. I found that I got a little bit sad as I went through team lists and wrote down the names of each of the players that I knew or had read about who'd um, done an ACL 
throughout the years because there is a stack of them mm. and really, really hurt to do that. Think about the ones that we know. So we know about Aaron Phillips, we know about Chelsea Randall, we know about um, Sarah Lampard doing it a few times. We know about Maddie Guerin, we, you know, lots of names that we know and love at this AFL life. And then there were players who had done their knees in pre-season who we might not have known about because we didn't get to see them play um, or we might forget about. Uh, in Ed's article, he has a lovely graph which averages out how many knees were done throughout the season, with 2020 being the worst year for ACLs with an average of 7.5 ACLs throughout the competition. But the fun fact, which is fun slash horrible, that I discovered by trawling AFLW news was that Izzy Huntington and Bree Davey did their knees in the same weekend back in 2018, the same rounds of the year which was round two get out which blew my mind yeah so I felt a little bit sick reading that and it, yeah it's not particularly a fun fact but it did blow my mind so that was quite wild the other thing I did do was I had an appointment with my physio this week and I excitedly got clearance to go back to contact which is very exciting for me. We're, we're all like fist pumping at the moment. But I did ask him uh, about return to play and when, when it's most likely that a player is going to do their knee. And he said, well, we can't, it's not something we can plan, but it often happens at the end of the game when, when everyone's under fatigue and you just take a big step instead of a little step or your deceleration is a little bit sloppier than what it might be normally. And so he recommended for my return to play is that I play 50% of game time, for example, in a drill at the beginning and then peter off my involvement towards the end and build that up mm. over time. So that was a little bit of an insight um, from someone who, whom I trust and I didn't have to read it in an article that I didn't fully understand. And it makes perfect sense. Um, but, yeah, Bree Davian is Huntington, just ACL buddies, apparently. Mm. Gosh. My uh, Siren Sport colleague, Gemma Bastiani, discovered she's a, a, a stats guru, absolute stats guru, and she discovered that on both occasions that Nina Morrison did her ACL the previous week, she had 22 disposals. No. So she's just not allowed to get 22 disposals in a game ever again. Or if she's sitting on 22 and it's the last 30 seconds of the game, just give her the goddamn ball. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks, Hiba, for, for doing that research for us. No worries. And very exciting that you cleared for contact. Thank you. I'm out of the bib, list managers. Okay, this week is round three and it is the AFLW Pride round. And I have to say, I think this is becoming my like most favourite round of footy in the whole calendar year, not just AFLW, but just in general. 
How are we all feeling about it? I'm very pleased. Um, I think that we were a bit disappointed last season in the scatter, scattered approach across the clubs to the round. Um, really, really pleased to see the clubs all getting on board and involving um, members of community in the design of the jumpers. I think that's great and providing them with an opportunity to um, tell their story and speak and show their support as well, which I think is really, really great. Um, so I think any opportunity to have these conversations is awesome and I think um, I'm really pleased to see what I think is a genuine like show from the AFL as well um, in the investment in the program and giving it lots of air, which is really, really good. Um, so I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's great. It's going to be a colourful round, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm so excited, except something I always complain about, Alison, is merchandise. Mm. And I don't have $100 to spend on a on a jersey. I would absolutely do it for Pride one. But bring out some more merch that's like T-shirts or hats or... Socks. I want some holders. of those. I want socks. some of the socks. Yes. Um, I know the Giants brought out a, a T-shirt with um, a rainbow version of the Giants on it. And I was like, yes, that's an amazing idea. And I think we should, clubs should be looking to do a bit more of that so that um, it's not just tokenistic once a year in your pride jersey. Have it, have it throughout all the season, all the men's season. Just let, let the colours run, I say. Um, but so excited and again it's, it's it'll be such an epic festival of color and inclusion and I guess for the first time we've we've got non-binary players in the league who are represented through this this round especially this year as, as more awareness comes to that and to them um, so I'm so excited and Carlton Western Bulldogs will be an epic match at mm. Whitten Oval it always is yeah so um, my one complaint about Pride Round is um, love that it lines up with Midsummer, but I can't believe that the original showpiece, the Carlton Bulldogs Pride game, is smack bang in the middle of the Midsummer Festival on yeah. Sunday. I mm. think that's really poor because I know plenty of people who want to show support at Midsummer because that's a very important part of the community. Um, for services, for um, connection, for lots of reasons. Um, and who would also love to be at that game too. I think that was very interesting scheduling. I'm mm. not sure about it. Mm. That's yeah. a great point. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, I noticed the um, Carlton Pride group, I think, said something on their socials this week about not being able to be at Midsummer because they have to be at the game. Um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting clash. I mean, particularly because that Carlton Bulldogs game is kind of like the original showpiece kind of pride game, like why they wouldn't have put it on Saturday or Saturday night or something. Yeah, you're right, Caddy. Really, really bizarre. Okay, so it's it's time for our uh listener questions. Um, one of our favorites, first cab off the rank, K Row 87. Thoughts 
On the named team for St Kilda in round two, the outs were a bit stiff. How can a team settle? Um, you know, i.e. lots of changes were made. Does that disrupt team balance? And, you know, is it difficult to settle after that? I had very similar thoughts when I saw the outs, Kel. I thought, um, this is interesting. Um, some some seen, more senior players as well. Um, I think as a coaching group, you really do have your best, you know, your best 22 or whatever that you usually kind of work with. And to make that many changes after one loss is interesting. And I agree, finding um, settling a team with when you're bringing lots of teams in and out. And I obviously understand COVID is impacting a lot of ins and outs this season in particular. Um, but aside from that, making strategic changes, um, yeah, I think it does unsettle the team. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that was the reason St Kilda were reasonably average on the weekends. Mm. They could not hit a target by foot. It was so frustrating to watch. I think that they're trying to do the right things, but the skill, I don't know whether they were intimidated by Collingwood or if they just have a little way to go. But surely... Um, bulk changes to a team week to week um, would be uh, unsettling, I agree. Because, mm. I mean, if you look at the comparison, I mean, I think I would consider St Kilda, they're still a relatively new team. I would still say that they're in their development phase, plus they have some top-end talent that aren't playing this season. Uh, you compare that to Melbourne who, because of COVID, were forced to make five changes, but because they have that list depth, you didn't even notice, like, like it was just seamless. And they, you know, they were missing, you know, Maddie Gay and Lampard and some really um, established players. But yeah, for to make wholesale changes to a developing team for for no apparent reason, like they weren't forced changes. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it would be unsettling. I think, especially in a developing team, um, I I personally think that. You, you're trying to find your feet in a developing team and, you know, you're really kind of trying to learn your role in amongst a group and when that's happening, you just feel unsettled and a bit unsure and when you're maybe a bit low on confidence or, you know, you're at, because that's where you're at, um, it can be really confusing messaging, I think, from... But, but that being said, obviously, we have no idea what messaging is being provided through the coaching um, and the decisions made. But from the outside looking in, I, I agree, it um, surely impacts the team mm. overall. Yeah. And I think difficulty, again, lies in the fact that if you don't play around, the only place you can... There's an ice cream truck. Can you hear that? <laughs> Amazing. Sorry, the only place you can show what you've got and strut your stuff is at training. There's no other game time yeah. where you can really prove yourself. And so getting dropped after one game and then having to prove yourself again just must be so hard. Okay, next question. These questions are relating to Pride Round. Now, I'm going to read out both of these questions because they're kind of linked. So our friend, Rat on Twitter said, your thoughts on every team having a pride Guernsey except for the Eagles? 
richest club in in Australia says they can only focus on one extra Guernsey for AFLW a year. And that was followed up with a question from LJ Moorcroft. Surely West Coast not having a pride jumper is a bigger issue than we're hearing. What are our thoughts on this? Because I think, Caddy, you might have actually a little bit of background for this that might give us some context. Yeah, I think, and I'm probably totally wrong here, but as I understand it, the jersey purchasing also fits within a soft cap um, with clubs. So um, I suppose there's an amount allocated towards a nine-round season. So there's nine, as we know, there's nine rounds. Obviously, there's finals as well, but um, there's already a home jersey and away jersey and Indigenous jersey. So that's three jerseys. And then you add the Pride round in, so that's four jerseys for a nine-round season. So that's almost a jersey for every two games, you know, if you averaged it out. Um, so, um, and I think the cost of adding a fourth jumper into the mix um, may take away from other things within the program, um, within the cap, as I understand. So therefore decisions have been made. Um, you'll see that a lot of the clubs are now using their Indigenous jumpers as their away jumpers, which is really, really great. I think that's, I think that is such an awesome idea that should be a standard across AFLW and AFLM, to be honest. I think it's really, really great. Um, because that means every time they're using them, there's a conversation and there's awareness and there's acknowledgement and where it's all about acknowledgement, obviously, for um, the, the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander population. Um, and so have therefore been able to use their third jumper as uh, the funding for that for the pride jumpers. So that's why so many this year compared to last year because that switch has been made for the most part. Um, yeah, it has come about, I think. So, and I don't know anything about how clubs work at all, um, but I don't know if being the richest club in the land has a whole lot to do with it if it comes to caps on, on um, expenditure for programs. So um, I do agree, though. I think that the Eagles probably... Um, with hindsight would possibly have made a different decision. That being said, uh, yeah, I think that there must be more to it um, as our uh, listener has said. And I wonder if players weren't even consulted about that decision, which uh, might have longer lasting ramifications for them, but they definitely, it's very embarrassing mm. <laughs> at the very yeah. least. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. The optics are terrible to be the only club to not have one. And I, I do feel really bad for the players um, and and the Eagles supporters as well. They're part of the community. So, yeah, you would think that they would make sure it, it doesn't happen again next season. I mean, just seeing some of the backlash that um, that there's been on social media over the last couple of days. What do you think, Kimba? Yeah, yeah, I'm I feel a pang of embarrassment. Um, not for the for the players, but 
on their behalf almost, just knowing that you're the only team running out without pride jumpers on. I guess that would feel a little bit embarrassing, especially because there are members of the community in the team and maybe off the field as well. Um, but, I mean, they've got a training singlet, so that's a good start. Um, but, but, yeah, I hope they get to wear those cool socks. Yeah, well, the socks are very cool. Yeah, <laughs> surely. Surely. So, yeah, just just embarrassment for the club and and it does look really bad. Like you said, the Optics, richest richest club in the country who have a waiting list for member seating at home games. But mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, a friend of the podcast um, goes by the name of Torak on Twitter. Um, his name's Andy. He put out a brilliant thread on Twitter this week. Um, he's a proud trans man. Uh, he's been a Collingwood supporter for a large portion of his life. And he's um, he in this thread, he expressed how he's had a kind of difficult relationship with the Collingwood Football Club, particularly the men's team. Um, and he found his way back to football through um, AFL women's. And he just talked about what it meant to him to see the trans flag on the Collingwood Guernsey. So I would... I would recommend you jump on Twitter and you find that that Twitter thread um, was really moving. And and I hope that people that are making decisions at clubs like the Eagles just maybe reflect on what representation actually means to their supporters. Yeah, that was a really eye-opening, impactful thread that I read. And I think the impact that uh, I really felt was the support that, was garnered through the thread and that people might not necessarily have understood Andy's struggles and um, the, the emotions surrounded with football and how, how much of an impact it can have for both positive and negative reasons. Um, but to feel so welcomed and to be part of a community that allows Andy to, to just attend and feel safe among other people as well, um, is, is so good. And I, yeah, really wanted to thank Andy for sharing his story because I think it's had quite an impact on on everyone who's read it. So if you haven't re- read it, jump on Twitter and, and go say hey to Andy. Yeah. And, and by extension, you know, just the importance of this round as well. Um, you know, I feel like I finally found my people when I became involved with women's footy. Um, it's incredibly important to me and I'm really looking forward to celebrating Pride this week um, and makes me really happy that the clubs that I support um, most strongly in AFLW are all wearing Pride jumpers. Okay, next question, um, still on the theme of Pride round uh, from B underscore Win. Quite disappointed that Richmond's amazing pride jersey only went up to size L slash 14. That sucks. That is such a poor decision. Yeah, really disappointed to hear that um, for a week where we're particularly celebrating diversity and um, inclusivity to have sizing that is only um, size 14 and we know that size 14 um, in this in football jumpers and this particular world is probably not um, 
the size 14 that maybe normal us uh, regular size humans might um, look for. Definitely but I not. Think, yeah, yeah, I just think I know so many people who would want to wear or support and wear a jersey like that who um, are, are all of it very different sizes smaller or larger but um, even you know smaller people who would want to wear larger jumpers or you know or um, yeah just I just can't believe it like it's just really disappointing Um, and I think yeah it's a fair point to be made and um, I'm disappointed. Just just adding to that Caddy is the 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 difficulty in trying to fit into a, a size 12 of an elite athlete because I'm assuming that the jerseys that are being sold are the same size as what is uh, produced for the players unless they've got a uh, supporter-based sizing system. And I can tell you now that my size 12 jersey uh, for VFL is not the same size as my normal size 12 clothing. It just hugs in all the wrong places. <laughs> Um, so that's yeah, that's so disappointing and doesn't make it comfortable to purchase. Just oh god. It's just so annoying because there's just like women's sports fans just want to spend money on merch and there's just never enough merch. Honestly, just give me a long sleeve, give me a t-shirt, give me a singlet, give me a hat, give me a freaking um sweatband and and Al, what do you want? I just want some pride socks I actually (laughs) love them and I just don't know where I can get them so if anyone can help me out I would love some pride socks let's let's put a shout out to anyone in the know surely we can get you some pride socks Al surely well someone can sneak into a locker or whatever yeah I might sneak into Gabby's wardrobe and see if I can find a pair (laughs) Thank you. All right. Next question off Instagram from QD. By a factor of how many is Richmond's pride jumper better than the rest? (laughs) Caddy? (laughs) These Richmond supporters, I don't know. I've got a lot of them on this. A lot of listeners are Richmond supporters. Um, Mm. Yes. The Richmond jumper is great. Out of all of them. Um, I wouldn't want to put a mathematical equation on how much better one is than another, but um, glad to see there's a, you know, there's a lot of love for the for the Richmond Pride jumper, obviously this week. Mm. Dare I dare I say it's one hundred percent better than West Coast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But that is all I shall compare it to. Um, Next question. Interestingly, from a user called Hibs Doing Things, in capital letters, fave pride jersey go. So definitely a conflict of interest here, but I I couldn't not. (laughs) I couldn't not ask and I was wary that probably lots of people were gonna jump on the pride round bandwagon which is what we want but I've asked it and Caddy you said you weren't gonna choose but you have to choose I have to choose Mm -hmm. (sighs) 
I mean, I obviously love them all. I, there is no such thing as a bad pride jumper, in mm. my opinion. I would say oh, the ones that have a real story behind them and really have involvement from the players in designing them, I really have attached to that. Like the Melbourne Demons one has the fingerprints from every every player on their jersey and I think that's fabulous because obviously not every player is necessarily a member of community but it shows that it's inclusivity like it's very inclusive and um I think that's fabulous like fantastic and also just looks real pretty um Mm. and I do like the Richmond one as well um it's a really nice design and it's again it's like focused on sort of the broader inclusivity so can I have two that's my two yeah well we'll just um We'll just cover them all, will we? We all have three. No, we don't have three. <laughs> um, I think, am I answering my own question? I think I should. I think you have to, yeah. I think, <laughs> um, I think my favourites, I'm doing a caddy here. Uh, firstly is Geelong for sticking to the natural hoops, natural but effective hoops. Um, with that pride round, uh, pride rainbow around the tummy with the trans flag on the shoulder, almost like a lapel, almost. Um, and just in a, an extension of that is their, their social media at the moment is just so on point. Their, um, their Instagram, especially, go and have a look at. Um, it's just all about the, the players and what they represent and who they are. And their tagline is we are, and then it enter your own word there. Um, and also thanks to Andy's magical thread, I also think the Collingwood jumper represents a whole lot more this year, just in terms of how hard they've worked to perhaps even just get a pride jumper at that club and as a Collingwood AFLM supporter I'm so proud to see it filtering through now from AFLW and hopefully it'll have an effect on AFLM and somewhere along the line some attitudes an extension to that so I love Geelong and Collingwood what about you Elle? Well I really like Frio's actually uh, particularly from the front it's like just the striking Mm. uh, kind of rainbow v i just yeah. i really like it. it's really really clean really looks really really good um but also like caddy said you know most of the a lot of the clubs you know the stories behind the design of the pride jumpers are, you know is really um incredibly moving um and i love carlton's the story behind that you should definitely go and have a look mm-hmm. at their social media and um yeah so I'm, I've narrowed it down to two, Prio and Carlton. So we've named six. We think mm. that everyone's are amazing. We had to name six. Yeah. Um, Al, I did want to point out that the Frio jersey looks a hell of a lot like the Melbourne Uni jersey a few years ago. And I couldn't help but double take when I saw Gemma Houghton sporting a Melbourne Uni pride jumper. <laughs> But turns out it's it's all well and good and it's pretty metal. Yeah. But I agree. I love it. It's so clean and, and white mm. and fresh. Mm. Excellent. 
Well, that's it for pride questions, but we do have one more question. This is from Anonymous who, um, who asked us a question last week. And their question is, Susan Cadman claims she could beat Taylor Harris in a fight. Discuss. Thank you, Anonymous, for your question. Um, <laughs> though I suspect I may know where it's come from. Um, look, I don't want to start beef with Taylor Harris at all. There's no way in hell I'm ever losing. I'm ever losing. I'm ever winning, <laughs> winning a fight against Taylor Harris. However, there, I'm not denying that maybe at some point after, you know, a few quiet after work drinks with Anonymous, <laughs> I might have indicated that I could beat Taylor Harris in a fight. Look, maybe I could. I don't know what kind of fight. Like, you know, if I could choose the parameters, I might have a chance. But I'd suggest that um, if it was boxing or probably anything footy related whatsoever, that I would absolutely be the loser. So, um, look, I just don't, yeah. I'm just going to quietly step away from any comment that may have been made previously and just note that, Obviously, anything said off, you know, at any point in time can be thrown back in my face on this podcast. So I've got to really be careful about especially <laughs> what when I'm the, saying. Especially when the questioner doesn't reveal themselves. So, <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, hope you're feeling better, Anonymous. <laughs> hey, um, Kiba, do you know what time it is? Well... It's almost dessert time. I'm feeling like I need a bit of a, an ice cream or something. But are you talking about... Would you rather? So would you rather? Mm. This is from Pethy. Kick three goals or keep Cora Staunton goalless? Whilst I think keeping Cora Staunton goalless is an achievement in itself, I would love to kick three goals. Get that stat because that's what's reported. No one reports goal, you know, goal stops. Three goals. I hear it. Yeah, it's got to be. The, it's like three kicking three goals in AFLW is a serious achievement, I think. Um, I'm going to take the goals too. I'm going to take the glory. But um, um, that doesn't mean I know which I, I think keeping Cora Staunton goalless might be a more difficult <laughs> um, achievement though, I have to say. But yeah, I would love to kick the, kick the goals for me. Yeah, I was not a noted goal kicker in my short football career, so I would definitely take three goals. <laughs> okay, next one from Mel Turt. Would you rather play Melbourne or Adelaide? Why is that so difficult? Mm. Firstly, um, I is it one me or is it a team full of me's? Or because <laughs> um, I think one versus anyone would be difficult, and I, mm. I don't want to play either. Um, I really, I don't know which ones. I don't think either of them are easier. Um, possibly crows. 
but um, they're both extremely good teams with an extremely deep list, mm. um, which we're mm. seeing. So I don't even think you can count on any big injuries really impacting their run or, you know, against playing against me or 16 versions of me <laughs> on the field. <laughs> Tell you what, both of them would really be, they would easily outrun me, that's for sure. I think I would rather play Adelaide merely for the fact that one, I don't want to play against Gabby because I'd be trying <laughs> to kick those three goals and she'd be stopping them. Um, and I, I think I'd play Adelaide for no particular reason other than the fact that I have to choose one. Um, but excitingly, they come up against each other in round four at Norwood Oval. So we won't have to wait too long to see what and whom steps up. Al, who, who would you rather play against? I think I'm going to say Adelaide as well. It's not with any great confidence, but I did pick Melbourne for the flag. So, uh, and they are mm. looking really good. Like I said earlier, about five hours ago, you know, they, they made a wholesale changes to their team last week and you didn't like, they didn't even break stride. Um, mm. So I think they, their list is really deep. Like Caddy said, um, I mean, it might also depend on where, like, are you playing, are you playing Melbourne at Casey? Are you playing Adelaide in Adelaide or are you playing mm. them away from their home? Cause I think Melbourne mm. pretty good anywhere, maybe Adelaide, not quite as strong away from Adelaide. Actually, that's not true either. I don't know. I'm just saying Adelaide. <laughs> um, next one from lclarkfitness.com underscore run. Parky. Would you rather smother a shot with your face from Griser <laughs> or land on your face from a sling tackle by Bree Davey? I personally don't fancy having another leather, Sharon, leather poisoning on my face. Uh, I'd, I'd rather eat some dirt, I think. Yep, I think same. Leather, leather to the head would hurt too yep. much. Sling tackle for me because, I like, Grise's boot is an absolute rocket as well. Like, <laughs> no one's surviving that. Yeah, you'd be feeling that for a week. And I'd probably get a free kick from the sling tackle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't think of that. Mm. Okay, and our last uh, would you rather from our pal, Scooby Snacks. <laughs> would you rather at this very moment eat a pie, be a literal magpie, or be drafted to the flag pies and why? What do I think? Um, mm. Well, the first time we recorded this, I was, I hadn't had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the infamous time I forgot to press record. Um, so I said I would eat a pie. But maybe now mm. I would be a literal magpie because I think magpies are really cool. And they like shiny things. They do. And they swoop mm. on cyclists. So mm. I could see you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Caddy, what would you do? Um, or, or what would you be? 
I think like even though there's no way I'd ever play a game of football, probably even keep up with training, I would like to be drafted to the Magpies. Yes, that would be great. Um, mainly because I'm a bit scared of heights and flying's not really my thing and I don't eat meat so a pie doesn't sound that appealing that's my that's my logic go Hibber I yeah I think I'd get I'd get drafted by the flag pies so that I could say I'd been draft, drafted by the flag pies and hopefully win a premiership with them <laughs> um and also I wouldn't want to be a magpie because I spent enough time with magpies last year in my backyard if you'll remember we had three pet magpies and I don't really fancy eating worms and I'm not hungry at the moment so I don't want to eat a pie so send me a contract Colin yeah draft us come on well there you go that's the would you rather's for this week um just wanted to do a quick check-in re footy tips Oh, so in our we've got a you may have heard last week we have a this this AFL Life uh, tipping competition that's on the AFL Women's app. So log into the app, join our competition. You'll find it. It's one of the public competitions. There's currently eighty nine people in it. Um, <laughs> Hiba, you are currently mm. ranked thirty nine overall in our comp. Uh, Caddy, you are twenty second overall. <sighs> Yes. And somehow I am just outside the top 10 at, in 11th place. So good on you, Alison. It's a complete fluke because I didn't think I was going to get six this week and I did. Really? <laughs> mm. We've got a couple of friends of the pods in here. Mm. We've got, mm. um, as much as I hate to give a shout out to coming second, is our friend Moz. Yes. Um, uh, just. Following you, Al, is uh, 12th is Bucks. Yes. Ellen. Um, Lynn's on Linda on 13 as yeah. well. Geez, friends of the pod are doing better. We need to, well, maybe we should, I might outsource my tipping to some friends of the pod. Oh. Better than me. Oh, I think. Casamento. Geez. Clarky. Nikita. Yeah. Tash. Lots Clarky. of. Uh, Lots of fun happening in the tipping competition. If you're not in it yet, you're really missing out on on all the action. Um, yeah. But that's about all we've got time for. Um, as I mentioned, this is the second time we have recorded this part of the podcast because I forgot to press record. So thank you, Hiba and Caddy, for <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> for take two. We just love footy. We, we love do. footy. Yeah. We do, and you must love me to uh, to <laughs> done this again. Yes, we do. Uh, but as I said last week, we're on social media at this AFL Life. Uh, hit us up during the week. We always love to chat about footy, uh, and we will see you after round three. Happy Pride round. Stay well. Enjoy. Thanks, Elle.